three, two, one, and we are live for a special episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host, and as usual, I'm joined by Seth Wintraub. Hey. But this episode is a special one because we are interviewing the head of Polestar North America, Mr. Gregor Embra. How you doing, Gregor? I'm doing great today. How are you, gentlemen? Pretty good. good, pretty good. Thank you, thank you. So plenty to talk about, uh, but I think we're going to focus uh, to start with uh, the recent announcement around the Polestar 3, which is more exciting for you uh, as the head of uh, the North American market because uh, you guys confirmed that it's going to be produced or uh, there's going to be some production related to the new vehicle in the U.S., correct? That's correct. The Polestar 3 is... Um What we've been very clear on is our first SUV, full electric SUV, into our portfolio. Um, we will begin production in China on the car, but as we've been clear very uh, recently, is, is that we will bring production into Charleston, South Carolina. And, and is that uh, full production, or is that kind of final assembly, or somewhere in between? I know you have you know paint capabilities down there, but Uh, We're finalizing that right now, Seth. Whether okay. we'll have uh, we'll have final assembly there, or if it'll be full production, we're looking through all the details right now. Um, obviously, lots of discussions to go with suppliers, and and also as we share the factory with uh, a sibling brand, Volvo, as you know, also has a very prominent uh, production facility and assembly facility down in Charleston. We're working through the details, but those are all things that uh, we'll come back to you in due time to let you know the details on when we're ready to. Cool. And and you can um, maybe elaborate on, you know, the whys of that um, decision. Is it, you know, logistics? Do you save money? Um, is there a tax incentive? Um, it, it really it really centers around logistics. There's mm -hmm. there's obviously no escaping that an SUV is going to be extremely popular, both within the Chinese marketplace and the American marketplace. Um, by bringing production to North America, it does a whole array of things. Number one is it It also starts to scale us as a global manufacturer. We'll both have production within China and the U.S. market at that place. But simply put, it's putting cars closer to our customers and our space partners. So the, the, the ability for somebody to order a vehicle and get it with a reduced lead time is obviously going to be one of the benefits that we're going to see. Um, and then again, you know, we're under a very strong opinion of um, produce where you sell. So uh, this is one of the reasons that we've decided to move forward with the Polestar 3 in North America, specifically Charleston. Okay. Um, so when the announcement was made, everyone was kind of surprised also at the timeline because um, we, we haven't even seen the car yet. Uh, and, uh, and you guys are like, it's coming next year, uh, 2022. Um, so you, you just said that at first you guys are going to produce it in China. Are the ones that in, that are going to be delivered in the U.S. next year are going to be produced in China or... Um, Are you are the first car that's going to be the first Polestar 3 to be delivered in the U.S. are going to be produced in the U.S.? The first Polestar 3s in the U.S. will be produced in China. Okay. So we're looking at about, uh, again, a, a timeline that'll be condensed. Uh, Charleston will follow shortly thereafter. We'll come back with an official date on that when the Charleston plant will be actually producing. But it won't be too much further in the future. Okay, that's interesting. Because yeah. uh, I thought I thought the timeline was pretty quick. I'm like, both stories that they came out of nowhere pretty fast, but uh, not that fast, maybe. Well, re remember, you know, this is something that Seth and I have met in the past before, and you know, I've continued to say is is, is that we, you know we see ourselves as a uh, you know a, a 95 year old startup. There is a lot of benefits that we have by having a sibling brand called Volvo. There's R and D prowess. There's design prowess. And there's also manufacturing logistics prowess that we bring along with us as well. 
So while these <clears throat> timescales might be condensed, um, there's obviously a lot of that footprint and a lot of the bedrock that already exists from there. And for us, ability to come along with Volvo as they go on to their next endeavors, obviously allows us to take a lot of benefits from that, that timescale as well. Yeah, that, that's a good point. I, I don't know if you can elaborate a little bit on the, um, the relationship between Polestar and Volvo for people that don't, that don't understand because uh, here, the Polestar brand prior to, to you guys relaunching it as this electric vehicle brand wasn't, wasn't really known that much. So I don't know if you can, um, if you can explain the relationship right, right now, well, how it evolved and, and what is it right now between Volvo and, uh, and Polestar? Sure. Where it is right now is uh, we, we say that Polestar and Volvo are strategic affiliates to each other. So we're different companies. Obviously, we're different brands that go along with it. And we're both owned by uh, Geely. So uh, a lot of your readers are probably educated on what Geely is and how big Geely Holdings is. And there's a number of automotive brands under it. Some that mainly are produced within China for the Chinese market, some for the European market, such as Lincoln Co., such as Geely. Uh, they also own a portion of Lotus uh, and Daimler as well. So again, if not many people are, I would say, engaged with that brand, they can look it up and take a look at it. But that's where our relationship with Volvo is. So there's a lot of benefits that go along with it. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, you know, you do have that relationship with uh, Volvo. Uh, you know, I, I imagine you can't say much, but, um, you know, there's been some rumors of a, a SPAC thing happening is, you know, can you talk about it? that at all or or just like how should we think about these kind of things well seth we've been clear in the past that you know we continue to look for incremental funding for the company uh that's something that we've released the press that we're going through a number of um discussions with external investors um but regarding a spac or anything that could have been speculated in the press it's just merely speculation at this point and i would uh, advise everybody is just you know when when we're time to talk about anything further um you'll be able to hear it from both us and i would imagine yourself as well so at this point we'll just leave it to the uh to the newsprint to speculate of what they think is going on um but at this point right now i obviously can't add any further comments to that other than we've said that we've been open for external funding Okay. Um, so, you know, moving back to cars, uh, recently, mm. which is kind of all of our favorite thing, uh, uh, we saw at Goodwood, a, uh, new version of the, uh, Polestar 2. Um, is that something that we should think about as a one-off or maybe something we're going to see a, uh, you know, something more of in the future? You know, we're a company that likes to have fun. I think you've seen a number of things coming out of Polestar in the past where we've done design concepts from everything from an electric modern scooter that could, you know, car carry cargo to things of, you know, what can we do to have some fun at Goodwood in, in, in the iconic hill climb? So we put together what we call a experimental Polestar 2, obviously a dramatic change within the suspension and the braking capabilities and, of course, horsepower. Um We're just looking at this right now to have fun and nothing more to see what we can do at Goodwood. Um, you know, moving forward, if this is anything that's slated for production or if there's going to be a special version on it right now, no, there's no plans at that right now as well. I think as everything, you know, we'll take a look to see how this is reviewed and how this is seen by the by the population and, and understand if there's anything that we want to do in the future at this point. I would say that closer in our lens is, is the model year 22 Polestar 2. 
um, that we can talk a little bit about because those are things that are indeed that are becoming to market um, right after the summer. And then a car that I introduced you to also, Seth, was the Polestar One. I think last time you and I met, we uh, had a cup of coffee, uh, a nice little cafe in I think the northern part of New York, and I showed you around the Polestar One. So Polestar One is actually having its final production round right now. So we, we, we sunset the car already this year after three years of production. So we are um, taking a look at our 619 horsepower hybrid, the one with the carbon fiber and our, our Gran Turismo GT car. And uh, we will have our final production run just after the summer. So the last cars will be entering to the U.S. market by year's end. So we'll say goodbye to that car after doing exactly what it needed to do as a halo for the brand and really setting itself up, in my view, as a future collector car. And at the same time, we'll move ourselves into the model year 22 Polestar 2, which I think is just a brilliant evolution of what we brought to the market already. Um, what, we'll, what we'll see with model year 22 is a couple of enhancements to the offer and also to the hard product as well. We'll be talking about things such as a uh, elongated EPA range of the vehicle, the uh, option of uh, having a heat pump with the car. And I believe everybody online understands the, the benefits that a heat pump could bring on variable climates. Um, and the other thing that we'll be doing is we'll also be moving away from what we call the intro package, which is a car which was more or less fully spec. There was very little options other than colors and wheels that you could put on the vehicle to a little bit more of a traditional package selection where we can actually... Um, have the customers say, do they want a premium package or a plus package or a navigation pilot package, all those sort of things that we will bring and leave it up to the customer to elect if they want to put onto their car as well. Another big thing that we'll be bringing in is a single motor. So towards the end of the year, we'll have a long range single motor that we'll bringing in. And as our as we progress, we'll be bringing in incremental customers as we bring in, uh, I would say, a different pricing scale for these cars as well bringing the content down, opening up different pricing categories for the vehicle, which could be holded from just a long-range single motor or a long-range dual motor without the packages as standard now. And those will be coming into the marketplace uh, just about September time period as we migrate into model year 22. That's do, we have a, do we have a new idea of the, the base uh, MSRP with the, now the lower range version? Yeah, we're lower gonna... range, sorry, the single motor version, I mean. Yeah, we're going to be ready to announce that, I would say, within the next four weeks, Fred, uh, okay. on that point. Uh, we're looking right now, and obviously there's a lot of incentives, not only on the Canadian market, especially Quebec, as you know, um, but also some obviously incentive points that we want to hit from the federal incentive and local state incentives in the U.S. market as well. So we're looking around and we're just making sure that we have done the proper analysis and um, I would say within four weeks, we'd be ready to launch the pricing and also the package structures on those cars. I will, we'll be keeping an eye on that for sure. Yeah. Um, just to go back to your um, comment about the uh, EPA rating, and I know you mentioned um, the uh, the fuel pump as being, you know, a heat way pump. to, or heat pump to, to get the, uh, um, you know, theoretically to, to reduce the importance of, you know, heating the car, especially in the Northeast, like where we are. Are you using, so, you know, in the industry, there's, there's quite a few different ways to, to, to calculate EPA. And I know, you know, Tesla obviously is out there um, with some very optimistic EPA ranges. Are you using the same EPA range or how do you get to a higher EPA range on your car besides the aforementioned uh, heat pump? 
I mean, what sort of attributes do we bring into the car to, to, to try to elongate the EPA range of the vehicle? Yeah, you, you, know, you noted the longer EPA range, so I was just wondering what, what's different in 2022 that uh, well, it's, gets it's, us there. It's mainly the, the efficiencies that the heat pump will bring on the okay. car uh, is the primary driver of it. Mm-hmm. So nothing else with regards to calendar or model year 22 that I see is going to be enhancing that other than the heat pump itself. And the heat pump isn't just for heating the car, but it's also like heating and cooling the batteries as well. That's exactly maintaining a constant temperature within the battery. So the variability of hot and cold climate doesn't degrade the the, the battery um, uh, longevity in those type of climates as well. Um, So the the heat pump is going to be a primarily driver of that. Will that affect charging speed at all? Or is that, uh, you know, out of outside? That. Not that I'm aware of right now, Seth. Uh, so I, I, I really won't comment on that because I don't know much about the, the effects as far as charging goes on that. All right. I'm going to go back to the Polestar 1 for a second because you made an interesting comment about it being um, potentially a future collectible item. Um, it, it, it's kind of strange when you think about it because it's literally called the Polestar 1. And uh, like you guys have the Polestar 2 now, the Polestar 3 is coming. So, I mean, you, have, you guys have a pretty clear naming scheme at this point. Uh, so are, are we are, are we going to expect that not to see the Polestar 1 anymore now that the, it's on the final production one, not to come back as a new version, an all-electric version maybe or something like that? Our nomenclature slash naming strategy is, mm-hmm. as you indicated, is a, a, a numeral. So one, two, three, mm-hmm. four in a consecutive so with that with that in mind, it would be very unlikely, in my view, that you would see a Polestar 1 having. Would that car's positioning and segmentation live on to another number in the future? Perhaps. I think that when you take a look at a brand such as Polestar by having a competitive sports coupe uh, or something of that nature, not only speaks to the wants of our customer, but also speaks a lot to the brand and what the brand identifies itself as pure progressive performance. So will it be a, I would say, a, another car that could be in the future portfolio? Well, we'll have to see how that migrates. But the, the answer to your question directly, I think it'd be very unlikely that a Polestar 1 would ever see that nomenclature again in the future. Yeah, that's interesting. Because, yeah, there's, there's, there's room in the market for sure in that segment uh, going all electric. I, I'm still shocked that, uh, that no, one, no one is doing it right now, really. Like there's no, there, there's no, coupe, uh, no two-door sports car electric vehicle in the market right now as far as i know in yes, north, america, it, north america at least it's I, I believe the same i mean at least in that segment in that category I, mm-hmm. i'm not certain about the rimac I, I, I it's probably outside of my my radar right no, now that's, that's su- super car level for sure i mean the, the, not that the poster one car. is is cheap but uh i mean the more reasonable price let's say than 2.5 i think it's competitive in the uh, under two regards, million <laughs> with, with regards to that, it is the longest range uh, hybrid that's available right now. So you can run up to about mm-hmm. 58 miles EPA range on that car. And, and Seth, as I shared with you, um, I have the benefit of being able to drive to work and back every single day on pure electric on that car with, 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 with the range that I commute to work. So very rarely do I use the internal combustion engine unless I'm on a long trip to go and see an investor or whether I go to see somebody. Um, so it's it's a nice it's 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 a nice duality of life to be able to have this range extender when I need to, but really live an electric life with the Polestar One every single day based on my driving and driving style as well. The the other news that, if I may, Seth and Fred, yeah. that I want to share with you is is just harkening back, Seth. I think it was almost just just about a year ago, last time you and I had a chat to sit down, and, and time has flown. 
Um, at that time, uh, you know, our, our space investors, or as I might put it, our retail footprint was, was very limited. We had four at that point, uh, three in Canada and four in the U.S. market. So we had Montreal, we had Toronto, and we had one in uh, Vancouver. And in the U.S. market, we had two in the Bay Area, one in L.A., and we were just starting to move forward on the Manhattan location. Time has, has really been good to us. We have a number of spaces coming on board as we speak. As we leave the summer, our target, and we're well on track, is to have 20 space locations within the North American market. So bringing Polestar to the markets that we see with very high interest uh, and very growing uh, demand for EVs as well. So not only is the EV infrastructure growing in these markets, but we can see clearly that the EV interest is coming. And these markets are probably not not new to you as far as you know where we would obviously speculate this demand growing and we're going to be there. So the likes of Denver, the likes of Austin, Boston, Southern New Jersey, Central New Jersey, Manhattan is up and running as well. We'll be in Washington, D.C. We'll be in Florida. Uh, Very excited about Orange County, California to complement Los Angeles as well. And onwards and onwards as we start migrating towards the end of the year, our goal is to have just about 30 spaces nationwide. So this is really giving the ability now for our customers and people that were interested in the Polestar brand to bring it closer to them. Um, So giving them the ability to test drive the product, interact with the product, and then also having a local place to actually go and uh, uh, have a space that they can go and visit and verify the product as well. The other thing that we're very proud of, Seth, is we were just starting to talk about it last time we we spoke as well, is about mobile service. Mm. So we've been able to evolve that footprint as well. And, and, and those are for the customers that live outside of the immediate area of where a Polestar space could be. Um, we've been very clear that we do pick up and delivery of customers' cars within a 150-mile radius. So if there's not a Polestar space or a Polestar repair space close to you, we'll actually go out and pick up the vehicle, drop off a loaner car for the customer if they wish, bring their car back and anything that might need to be done and then bring it back to the customer. But with the advent of mobile service, there's also another element that we can add to the customer and giving them an opportunity to have the car delivered, whether it's maintained, whether it be at their place of work or on their driveway or whatever it might be. So we don't even have to do pickup and delivery. And all those type of activities are evolving and they've been going very quickly since you and I've met. So we're very proud of that as well. That's great. Um, and you mentioned that, you know, there's some partnership with uh, existing Volvo dealers, but I think I heard that you were also working on uh, maybe in Minnesota or something like a, spe- a separate, like all new kind of dealership model. Can you talk a little bit about that? No, in, in Minnesota, we, we, we will be in Minneapolis mm-hmm. uh, and we will be partnering up with, uh, with a, a long established Volvo dealership okay. up there. Um, so no, we won't be we won't be divesting or doing anything unique in that market or any market for that matter. We've been very clear that we'll team up with Volvo dealerships as we migrate forward with our with our retail footprint, and we haven't changed that strategy. Okay, and and just to clarify, um, you have twenty in the U.S. now, or or plan to have twenty? We'll have twenty as we as we depart the summer. So we're we'll have twenty spaces up opportunity for consumers to take test drives and also have dedicated service points for the Polestar. And as I mentioned, as we leave 2021, we should be just about 30 right there. And then moving into 2022, as I predict is your next question, probably Seth, knowing you, you know, we have our sights on moving forward into the mid thirties or upper thirties. And again, 
continually looking at where the growing demand is and where we'll be able to satisfy that demand as well. So we have markets on our radar that we're continuing to see people that come in and uh, act as hand raisers. I want to know more about the brand. Can you keep me on the mailing list? When can I take a test drive? All those sort of things are obviously indicators of where Polestar uh, interest is growing. And of course, we look at competitive data as where is uh, uh, the competition selling cars. And also, as I mentioned before, where the EV infrastructure is growing as well. So all those things are really trying to give us a good insight of where will be the next place that we want to put uh, a Polestar flag. Yeah, it's working well. That's great. Um, you know, we have about five minutes left. I, I just want to kind of get your view on like the, you know, pull back a little bit and the mm-hmm. EV space in general in the U.S. and North America. It does feel like we're, we're hitting an acceleration point. Like, you know, Stellantis yesterday just said we're going all EV at some point. Um, it feels kind of like we're at a, you know, we've said this a, a few times, but it, it's always like, like we're going to hit that point where everybody's going EV. You know, how are you thinking about the, the, the landscape? Are you thinking ramp up? Are you thinking stay the course? What, what's going on over at, at the Polestar HQ? One of the things we're not going to change course. We've always predicted this EV ramp up. You know, our speculation was is that sometime by 2022, we should see it as 5% share of the market. I think it's actually ramp, ramping up quicker than that. And prediction of up to 10% of the market probably by 2025, 2026. And then I think that comes with more of the choices in the marketplace and also higher convenience levels for the customers. And again, we've talked a lot about, you know, the, the EV buyer was always inconvenienced with something in the past, whether it be about design or whether it be about um, the, the, the packaging of the vehicle or the range. And all those things are being broken down with every single introduction into the marketplace. The customer is not inconvenienced by the way the car looks or the way the car is packaged or the range, the ubiquity of charging, the ease of charging at home right now are all things that I think are are really promoting and driving this business forward. One of the things that I'll continue to say is, is that we continue on this course. We have no deviation from moving anywhere and continuing to be an EV in a forefront brand. We have a very strong product portfolio that will continue to evolve, not only in the segments that we're in right now, but obviously as the segments start to evolve, we've already talked about an SUV. Um, I think the, uh, the market is ripe for having a very, very progressive looking and a very performance oriented full SUV in the marketplace. And I think that's something that Polestar will fit very well into. And then we'll start evolving into other segments as well. And uh, again, I, I think you just need to start connecting the dots to see where we'll see see Polestar in the future. And then again, as we raise our space partner footprint and make it easier for our consumers to engage with the brand and if need be service with the brand, these are all things that we will not deviate from. We're, we're in, we'll continue to accelerate forward. And uh, we feel that the market has been ripe and it'll continue to be ripe to be in this segment. And one weakness, uh, we, you know, we see in the U.S. Uh, maybe compared to Europe is uh, charging infrastructure. Are you guys? How are you guys thinking about that? Are you guys going to address it directly, or what's going on? We we've been clear that we will you will not see Polestar charger stations or or anything of uh, supercharger stations of the like. We announced many months ago about our affiliation with ChargePoint. 
Um, we know that there's a lot of plans, you know, with not only ChargePoint, but light chargers in the marketplace that are coming up extremely quickly, whether it be Electrify America or, or ChargePoint. Um, we'll stay the course with those. So I, I don't, I don't foresee us coming over with our own solution, our own branded, if you will, supercharger stations in the future or anything of that nature. I think that the industry and on top of that, um, uh, again, the EV infrastructure providers are, have a very clear roadmap to draw up the convenience that I was talking about in the future where we can take advantage of that rather than making investment in our own. Um, can we end on the note? Do we, do we have an idea of when we're going to see that forward-looking and performance-looking SUV, the Polestar 3? I do. Um, <laughs> Is that one in the but, back but, background? But, <laughs> <laughs> no, unfortunately, I think that's, uh, that's, 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 that's not what you're looking for right now. <laughs> but, uh, of course, Seth and Frederick, if I told you now, then I wouldn't be invited back mm. to share that information <laughs> when, when it was ripe. And I always want to give an opportunity for me to be invited back and also forgive you, uh, your viewers and your gentlemen yourself an opportunity to look for something that's, uh, that's a piece of newsworthy information and excitement going forward. Um, what I can guarantee you is is that as soon as we're ready to announce it, uh, your phone will be ringing first and foremost. All right. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Gregor. Uh, thanks a lot for coming on the show. And uh, good luck with Polestar for the launch of the 2022 Polestar 2. And soon, hopefully, the Polestar 3 that we're going to get to see. And uh, we're going to see you uh, next time. Thanks, everyone. Thank, Thank you. you.